Are you ready, Matthew? Ready. Oh, Father Unwin, I was wondering if you could... Oh, great. Oh, folly, folly. <sighs> Typical. How am I supposed to review episodes when I'm one-third of my normal size? Well, as far as I know, I think you would want me to say, read it between the lino. Yes, yes, very funny. Uh, could one of you press the button for me, please? Yes, of course. Mustn't keep you from your work. I was forgetting your diminished stature. Um, could one of you drop the printout down to me, please? Most certainly. Most certainly. Thank you. Okay. Well, that about fits in with my day. Um, Matthew, could I possibly trouble you to uh, loan me the use of your suitcase for a little while? Uh, I might need something to scream into. Yes. Well, as if things weren't bad enough, we have one of the more infamous episodes of Space 1999's second season to get through today. Here's... All that glisters. Oh, folly, Terry Bold. Now, Space 1999's second season has a bit of a reputation for uh, for maybe not being up to the, the quality of the first season. And there are certain bad episodes in the second season that I find, well, extremely boring. There are episodes like Rules of Luton, uh, New Adam, New Eve, and in particular, my least favourite from the second season, A One Moment of Humanity. They are dull, they are just lifeless and plodding, um, but they are bad in the same way that a bad episode of, say, Blake 7 is bad. This episode makes it onto a lot of uh, bad episodes lists, but this one is bad in such a unique way, all its own that I find it fascinating. It somehow, like, goes right round the other side and, and becomes interesting again. It, uh, by all accounts, was an extremely unhappy production. Uh, oh dear, this shot of the eagle going through the cloud layer is just embarrassing. Um, yeah, an extremely unhappy production. When I've said in previous episodes that Martin Landau doesn't look happy, you can see it clearly in every frame of this episode. He looks ready to kill. You can say that again. And apparently, Fred Freiberger was really hooked by the concept of this episode. The entire cast hated it, and that made him love it all the more. Strange man. Oh no, too close too quickly can be dangerous. Mmm, definitely. <laughs> Now here we have uh, Patrick Mower is playing an Alphan geologist, uh, Dave Riley, who, uh, despite being Irish, fancies himself as uh, used a loudmouth Irish Romeo's as a cowboy. For some reason, I don't know. Geophysical scan confirms why he is here. I don't know what the point of this character is. Um, it's something that I have mentioned before. Characters being inserted into the shows to do deliberately stupid things to keep the plot moving. Usually that comes from one of the regulars suddenly having a lobotomy and, and 
acting the fool. This guy has been brought in specifically for this episode to be just, oh, annoying as hell. Um, and I suppose it's much like with the whole Tony's beer brewing thing. This is meant to be entertaining character development. My response to that is if you're going to do some character development, why not develop a character who is actually already on the show? What's the point of bringing in this guy for one episode only to then never bring him up again? And he survives the episode, unfortunately, he doesn't get killed. Um, why, if you're going to focus on characters, focus on the characters that are actually in your show. I don't know, bring Dr. Oh, no, not Dr. Matthias. Dr. Matthias, quit. Um, <laughs> Um, you could bring along Ben Vincent or, or Bill Fraser or just somebody. Unless this was going to be his introduction and you were going to keep bringing him back. Otherwise, this doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Oh, I was going to say I've talked enough about him, but here he is again. Hey! That's my lucky hat! <laughs> lucky hat, oh dear. Never seen one of these before, eh, Maya? Well, that's the trouble with your planet. They never had the wonderful state. Of Texas. Yeah, she also doesn't have a planet anymore, you git. Don't rub it in. We had many wonderful things on Zycon. All right, everybody, gather around. And you really don't want to be annoying this woman who can turn into a ten-foot dinosaur monster and rip you apart with her bare hands. It's not a very good idea. But as we're going to discover, this guy is full of not very good ideas. Anyway, the story of this one is that the Alphans are... Uh, once again, their life support system has run out of something. Um, it was always running out of something in the second season. So they've come to this planet to find Milganite. Um, not sure why it needs six people for this mission. But there we are. I can hear that Milganite calling. Oh, shut up. Well, fine, you go off and find it. We'll leave you here. And you call us when you're done, okay? Now, it may be, because I'm watching this in high definition, I find this planet set extremely unconvincing. I'm not sure what it is. It could be the bright pink sky, the fact that the... The back of the set is casting shadows on the backdrop, the painted mountains in the background. It just looks extremely unconvincing, which is a shame because this show always produced really good planet sets in the first season, uh, and later did so again in this season. I don't know what went wrong here. What a beaut! What a beauty! <laughs> Say hello to Big Dave! I hate no. to break up your romance with this rock, but we've got work to do. No. The rocks understand me, Commander. My wives never did, but the rocks do. Oh, your wives left you. Fastest gun on Alpha. Oh, God, I'm being hit with crap. I'm being hit with crap from all sides now. Oh. Well, anyway. Get ready to dig for gold. So they found what they think is a, a vein of Milganite. And, uh... Oh, Dave has... Brought along a little revolver thingy. Oh. <laughs> he, he's brought along this uh, scanner thingy that he's using as like a, a six-shooter in keeping with the whole cowboy thing. Um, he's done that whole 
spin it around on your hand thing. And in the process, he knocked his uh, stun gun from its holster, and it was hanging on for a, a second. And as he walked out of shot, the the gun must have fallen out of the holster because I heard a thump. And it doesn't seem to be there now. I've not noticed that before. Um, do rocks usually scream when you shoot them? I mean, I'm no expert cowboy geologist, but nobody seems uh, bothered by the fact that it's screaming. Although they are interested in the fact that it seems to be bleeding. Hello? Something's off balance. Yeah, the rock's got a vein of chutney running through it. Very mysterious. Oh. Um, Tony went for a look at the rock. Tony has now been zapped by the rock. This is extremely concerning. Everyone's got their worried expressions. Oh, well, except Patrick Mower, who... Uh... Oh, <laughs> Martin Landau. He's dead. Oh... Oh no. Minus two hours, 45 minutes to lift off. Tony's dead. I'm sure he's really dead, and they're not just faking us out. They wouldn't do that to us. Helena. I'm a doctor, John, not a miracle worker. Ow. Oh, ow. Tony's brain is still functioning, Helena. It's one of the mysteries of life, Maya. Okay, okay, I can forgive the uh, the Star Trek ripoff line only because that subtle dig at Tony's intelligence was included afterwards. That's, uh, I'm sure it wasn't there deliberately. That's beautiful. The functioning of Tony's brain is one of the mysteries of life. That's just uh, backed up by so much evidence in this show. I am sorry. Oh, what have you got to be sorry for? You just made a huge mistake. Brought in an, an alien killer rock and it killed one of our friends. Alpha needs that Milliganite. Maya. I am sorry about Tony. Well, I promise I'll do even more dumb things to get the rest of you killed as soon as I can. Oh, Patrick Moe nearly fell over just then. Is it Raiden? And I should say that I, uh, as much as I don't like the Dave Riley character, uh, it's only because of the writing. He is written to be such a colossal pain, but it's nothing to do with Moa. Uh, I think he does a, a reasonable job with this. With my molecular structure, I won't be in as much danger. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't, little lady. No, if anyone's going to do something stupid around here, it's going to be me. That's what I'm here for, after all. Martin Landau is... Um, is pacing like a caged animal. Uh, and I get the feeling Nick Tate is similarly unimpressed by what's going on here. Um, Patrick Moe is probably having fun. I'm glad somebody is. Oh, Barbara Bain is uh, pootling around in the back of the eagle here, looking at Tony, looking at the medical monitor. Oh, we'll go back to the medical monitor to have another look at it. Um, what are we going to do now? Oh, we'll walk to the door. We've not been over here yet. Um, nothing going on there. Hmm. We're not exactly operating at breakneck speed this episode. Now this uh, episode seemed to be, as much of the second season of Space 1999 was, influenced by Star Trek. We heard that earlier with uh, that spectacular mishmash of just 
awfulness from Helena. But this episode also seems to heavily borrow from uh, Star Trek's Devil in the Dark, which was about a, a, a silicon-based life form that was uh, uh, killing off miners. Um, but at the end of it, there was a, a reason for it. It wasn't uh, an evil life form as such. It was just doing what it could to, su uh, to survive and protect its children. This episode kind of follows the same plot, but it does it in no way anywhere like as good as Star Trek did. Yet here, and he's alive. No! Well, I don't know. Well, he must be! <laughs> where is your... Where did you get your doctorate? I'd love to actually see it. Do you still have it, or have you just, uh... John. ...been lying all these years? I think that that rock has control of Tony. John, I'm scared. Stay where you are. You're safer there until we find Tony. Unless he comes back, in which case you're not. So now, as you can possibly hear... Tony! Everyone is out looking for Tony. Tony has now made it over to the, uh, the larger rock and blasted off a smaller part. Uh, and since we know that the big rock is alive... Tony! Still looking for him. Um, since we know the larger rock is alive, and it is controlling Tony in some way. Isn't this thing sort of self-harming itself now? It, it, why do I care? Why do I care about anything that's going on in this episode? Nobody making it did. And it must have been so discouraging, uh, both for the returning cast members who had come back to this show being told, oh, it's going to be bigger and better and more wonderful than ever, and for the new cast members who were thinking, oh, we've got this this new series that we're going to be part of, and then they got to make Tony one moment of humanity followed by this. It must have been just so discouraging. And I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall of this set when this episode was being shot. Because everybody looks so unhappy, so fed up. And I'm sure there must have been some absolutely cracking arguments when this was filmed. Said he was alive. Well, let's walk up to the rock that we know can kill people. Let's spend as much time as possible standing next to it. We'll dump it in space. So the Alphans have just tried to to leave the planet and go back to to Alpha. And nothing's working, and this is presumably down to the influence of the uh, the rock creature. And again, it, it was something that happened in the in the Star Trek episode Devil in the Dark. The creature, I think, stole part of a nuclear reactor from the base, and if they didn't get it back, or if Scotty couldn't build a replacement or something, the whole place was going to go up. So there was kind of that that element of the story, the sort of sabotage element being repeated here. But it doesn't make any sense really here. You could imply that the rock is drawing off energy from the eagle, but all the lights are still on, the life support system's still on. Their own comlocks still work when they're calling each other, even though they don't work to call the base. It just Eagle Photo Moon Base Alpha, do you read me? Oh, back to staring at this rock again. That thing's gotta go. It's too dangerous for the eagle. Yes, as we've said about five times now. Maybe we can find some way to break through to it. We'll work on that outside. For God's 
sakes, John, don't go near it. It could kill you. So good old age. Eagle for the moon base off. True. Were you planning to stand here for the next uh, 50 or 60 years until that happened? Blue. It's yellow. What was blue? Rock Colors, the movie. Orange and blue. I wonder what color kills. Oh, I hope we find out soon. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this, I think. It was trying to communicate. Say something. Yeah. Um, how'd you figure that out? All right. Maybe it's angry. Its natural habitat is out there, and we've taken it out of its natural habitat. Got the same word twice in the same sentence. Who wrote this? Bring us. Maybe it could brainwash the computer into believing that Milganite was here. Yeah, and maybe Santa will come down in his magic helicopter and we can all have sweets. Um, you're just pulling stuff out of the hat here, aren't you? You don't know. They're not taking the time to really investigate what's going on. They're just leaping to conclusion after conclusion after conclusion and running with it. Gets what it wants, it'll release Tony. Which I suppose is um, is part of the problem when you have an antagonist that you can't communicate with. But even so, you could do something more with this idea. And I don't think this idea is necessarily a bad one. Um... If realized in a certain way, it could be quite effective. That rock has power, energy, intelligence, and purpose. <laughs> I, as much as I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when this episode was being made, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Martin Landau first read this script and realized some of the lines he was going to have to say. I completely understand why he would be so angry. I don't blame him at all, because I would be. So now, on the wild theory that the rock is intelligent, we're going to have Maya turn into a rock. Um, I think she's in communication. And again, it, it shows that they are just working on the assumption that this thing is alive. I don't know if it was yet established in the show, but it was later on that Maya could only turn into something that was alive. But here she's just magically the rock. Um... Uh oh, Tony's gonna. No, not Tony. Well, I was only trying to see if our weapons could be effective against it. You fool! <laughs> oh, oh, Martin Landau, I love. Suppose I kill Maya in retaliation. I love you anyway, but I love how much you not only don't care about this script, you are just letting it show. It's wonderful. Please, more of that. The rock changed color. Green. The colour for Wox is green. Yeah, Barbara Bain is getting a very short shrift in this episode. She's just being left with Tony. Oh, but now the prop guys are shining green lights in her direction, preventing her from leaving. How will she get out of this? Um, I am on the edge of my seat. But that's only because um, my microphone is on the desk, so I have to crouch down quite low. Uh, otherwise, I don't care what's going on. See, this is how we're having, we're having to jump through hoops to make this immovable prop a threat. And the way that threat is realised is just with pathetic 
green lights being shone on the display panel behind her. Helena, I told you to get out of there. I can't get out! I forgot how doors work. Okay, so the, the alien force thingy has uh, has got her in the green beam of whatever. Oh, no. There's a shot of the eagle from the outside with green glitter all over it. Can you get out? Door won't open! Try to get out. You didn't try to open the door. It immobilised you before you got there. What are you talking about? It's exploring our store. Um, yeah, the, the green light is rolling around the Alphen supplies. But there's a, a case there, very prominent with the words Tom Bowen on it. Uh, now, Tom Bowen was the name of Brian Blessed's character in uh, The Day After Tomorrow, or Into Infinity, if you prefer. So this is evidently a reused prop from that that one-off special that was produced between the two seasons of Space 1999. Um, why did nobody think to take that off? Unless there is an Alphen on, on Moonbase Alpha named... Tom Bowen. Uh, yet another role for Brian Blessed to play in this show. Oh, you know it's bad when I'm I'm thinking about characters who aren't even in this show. Water. It needs water to survive. Yes. And it'll get it any way that it can. Yeah, I think I get the scene. Now, the rock. All these rocks needed water to survive. What you mean when Helena said that the rock needed water to survive, and then said that the rock needed water to survive, that means that the rock needed water to survive? You really are a, a leading geologist, aren't you? You you certainly know your stuff. When they panic, they don't think too well. Amazing. Imagine the geological paper I can write on this. Oh, yeah. Held prisoner on... Pink planet by angry rock that needed a drink. Is mostly water. That's not a geological paper. That's an embarrassing confession about the worst day of your life. And Helen is in there with that rock. Yes, she is. We know she's still there. John, the green light has moved off of me. Make a break for the door. Oh yeah, brilliant strategy. Thank you. And get the door open. What? Use your comm lock. That's what it's for. It's lifting off! Well, thank you for clarifying, Captain Obvious. You've got a wet track mind and a stone-age skull! No, wait a while! Hello, listen, I need to law. You can think of as a damn rock! rock. Get away from me! <laughs> you know what? I don't want to watch any more of this show. I just want to watch the Martin Landau being cross for an hour show. That's what I'm enjoying out of this. Um, you know, there is not an actor alive who could make the line you've got a one-track mind and a Stone Age skull work at all. Um, so he doesn't even try. I'm quite right too. Helena, what's happening in there? Oh, don't ask her. She doesn't know. I don't know. know. Oh, she doesn't know. I don't know. She doesn't know. She really doesn't know. No change. No. Well, that, that accomplished nothing. It tried to take off. The rock has begun to pulsate. Couldn't get very far. We've landed again. Yellow. You could cut that out entirely and we wouldn't miss anything. With star charts flashing on the screen. It's probably looking for a place where there's water. It's facing a deadline the same as we are. 
which deadline runs out first. Well, how, what, why would the rock have a deadline? Until you guys arrived, there was no water on this planet, and yet the rock had survived. Why is the rock in any danger of dying? Are the star chart still flashing? No, it's just stopped. Oh. Now listen, Helena. We think that rock is trying to get off this planet. If it is, <laughs> as evidenced by it trying to get off the planet just a few minutes ago, with you inside, as if you didn't know. I want the two of you to get behind those rocks and keep out of sight. Alan, you come with me. Yeah, again, you have woman who can turn into 10-foot dinosaur monster. Oh, no, no, you go and hide, woman. This is a job for men. It's like, she could, she can run rings around you guys in the terms of getting stuff done department. Why do you kick her out of the way? Uh, anyway, dead Tony not dead Tony whatever is now up and on his feet again off to get more rocks <sighs> I have to wonder if uh, how much of the day to day running of this show Jerry Anderson was involved with during the second season I know he said that with Fred, Fry uh, with Fred Freiberger as the producer he would let him be the producer for better or worse. But I have to wonder if there were days like these when he came down to the set to see what was going on and uh, then just despaired. And he'd have every right to. You too, huh? You think The Rock is all I care about? Well, no, I think you also care about acting like an imbecile. Um, Pretending to be a cowboy, pretending to know what you're talking about, pretending to be a character on this show when you clearly aren't. Um, I could go on, but honestly, I don't care enough about you to do so. Well, in addition to um, being able to control Tony, uh, Koenig and, and Alan have just zapped him with their stun guns, and he has been transported back to the Eagle. So that means that the rock has the power of teleportation. In that case, why doesn't the rock just teleport itself into the eagle and just do... Why? What? How? Oh, no. I, I... It's odd because usually with bad episodes of Space 1999, the second season in particular, I, I find them just boring. As I said at the front, this one is like a badness all its own, but it's never really irritated me before. Usually I, I found entertainment value in how truly awful it is. I'm not sure why this time it's getting to me the way it is. But I'm really not enjoying this. We have Tony's comlock. We're going to use it to try to open the eagle door. Why can't she use her own comlock to open the eagle door? Hey, cowboy! He's gonna do something stupid! <laughs> That's uh, Martin Landau's response whenever Fred Freiberger appeared on the set. Come on, let's get out of here. Um, how? If you've been pretending that you can't get out... Oh, now you can, apparently. I'm not even going to question that because uh, Dave has now forced them out anyway in an attempt to um, 
I guess, kill the rock. Thus proving to everybody that he's not a git. Um, unfortunately. Tony! He'll be alright, Nomaya. Yeah, you know, he just had complete cardiac arrest and was pronounced dead, but he'll be fine. We're gonna get into how he recovered from that? No, no we're not. No, because Dave has now fallen under the control of the evil alien rock. That's the cliffhanger going into the final advert break. As if we even care what happens to this guy. I don't care. I don't care about anything anymore. Oh, he had to go charging in there. We owe him for that. It got Helen and Tony out. How are you doing? Well, I suppose when you're as stupid as he is, eventually at some point your stupidity is going to lead to positive results, uh, even if very rarely. That rock could become too powerful to beat if it gets reinforcements. Alan? Well, it seems pretty much all-powerful at this point anyway. It's beating you guys at every single turn. And that's something else I find really disheartening about this episode, is that we've seen these guys battle so many truly evil, powerful people and, you know, unknowable, mysterious forces that have almost overwhelmed them, but they've always come through. And now they just seem like a bunch of utter morons. All of them. So the latest uh, thrilling development in this story is uh, Dave has uh, just taken into the eagle what he thinks is another piece of the rock, but is in fact Maya disguised as a rock. Um, with the aim, I guess, of communicating with it, but unfortunately... Um, Get out of there! I can't! It's pulling me towards it! But you can break its grip! It's using most of its power to fuse me! This is an odd shot of Maya... Um, trying to break free from the the attraction of the rock. It kind of... It's giving the impression... That within the Maya rock, there is a very tiny Maya. Um... I suppose it's... It's... Meant to imply that there's a the mental struggle. But the, the image is of... Like a very small Maya trapped inside the, the larger rock. It's a bit odd. But she's all right now. Easy, though. It's okay. It's okay. You're all right now. You're all right. How is he? Which is good, because uh, I like Call Helen and Tony. We're getting off this planet. Yay! It's almost over. Nucleoid active crystals. We've got plenty of them hey, on board. Of course, we can make it rain by dropping the crystals on the clouds. Well, then why didn't you think of this before? If that was an option all this time, then why... Any of them. We'd like to drop some nucleoid crystals into those clouds. Nucleoid? Mm -hmm. Oh, you just made that up, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, the, uh... Maya? Yes, Commander. The all-set Rainmaker? Yes, Commander. I suppose it, it's nice in a sense that they ultimately don't end up killing the... the baddie. Get us some crystals. Um... That they've they've given the, the rock what it wanted, they've made it rain again, and possibly even brought back some form of, of life to this planet. However, 
and I keep going back to the Star Trek comparison with this episode because it is so so on the nose I think in Star Trek the creature was killing to protect its young and Spock was able to communicate with it didn't get away with any Milganite no but we got away with our lives yeah it's uh, not really much of a consolation when you came to this planet looking for the material that would keep your life support system going and you didn't find it so in a way this was a complete and utter disaster <laughs> Helen you think you can find a way back can I I don't know can you let's go home hmm well that was all that glisters oh um I think I would probably have to say that so far this is the the worst episode that the randomizer has thrown up yet and I say that taking Torchy into account because Torchy as awful as an episode of Torchy is it's only 10 minutes long this was 50 minutes of good thoughtful characters acting like morons oh, at least it's out of the way now <laughs>